0: Welcome to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, brought to you by the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. Our podcast will cover current issues in farming and will provide insight from a wide variety of experts in agriculture. Now let's get farm strong.
1: Hello and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Rachel Dillhoff and I'm your co-host, Abby Heidenreich. Today, we are happy to have John Feitz here with us. John is a mixed animal veterinarian and owner of the Princeton Veterinary Hospital in Princeton, Indiana with his wife. He is also the owner and operator of Feitz Cattle Farm, which is a small beef, cow, calf, and hay operation with his wife and his parents. John is also the Gibson County Farm Bureau president and has a lot of family members involved in Farm Bureau as well. So welcome, John. We are so excited to have you um, with us on the podcast. I know we've been talking back and forth about having you on for a little bit here. So can you tell us just a little bit about your journey, where you are today, how you got there, Um, just a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I grew up uh, the son of a mixed animal veterinarian. Actually, uh, my dad's was a veterinarian. He's been a veterinarian for over fifty years here, where where I work today at the Prince Veterinary Hospital, and um, was active in 4-H as a kid. And actually, Dad and I started our cattle farm, cattle operation, out of the last few years of show heifers that I had when I was showing in 4-H, and then. Uh, Dad did most of the work when I was away at college, but we did continue to grow our cattle operation over the years and then have expanded it since then. Um, I spent four years at Purdue in undergrad um, in animal science and then got out and worked for a year um, a little bit with Far Best Foods and then a little bit as the animal waste specialist, which is my favorite title I've ever had as a job. But uh, I was an animal waste specialist for the Davies County Soil and Water Conservation District. Um, before I decided that I really should be back in vet school and went back for four more years um, to become a veterinarian. And then after that, I got out and uh, went to work here and have continued to uh, grow our vet practice uh, along with my dad, um, who has since sort of retired, although I still have him work a little bit. And then my wife is, is my partner as well. And we're at ex- growing vet practice and trying to grow our cattle operation. Uh, shortly after I got out of Vet school, we started taking care of our own hay and everything, so we're pretty, pretty self sufficient uh, beef cow calf operation. Not big, but but it uh, gives us something to do to stay involved in agriculture, um, which is a true passion of mine.
0: Wow! So hearing you talk about all of that, it's just something that sticks out in my head. Is how do you keep it all straight? That there has to be some stress around that, but I I guess I'm more curious: how do you keep all of what you do in line in a manageable way.
2: Some days I don't. (laughs) Um, I struggle with that, actually. Actually, that is, I I like to be involved. I like to be active and doing a lot of things. That's certainly something that brings me a lot of joy. Um, I'm involved in a lot of organizations and things like that. But I will say that, that that is also my, my struggle is keeping organized, knowing where I need to be when. Now, the good thing is, is uh, in the vet hospital, I got somebody here telling me where to go all the time, <laughs> which is which is what I need. Um, and then in the, uh, you know, I I work pretty hard with trying to update the calendar in my phone to know where I need to go, and that and that sometimes doesn't work out. And of course, as you know, anytime in when you're dealing with animals or farming, scheduling can be a joke because the world doesn't always cooperate. But uh, that is one of my, my, my biggest um, struggles is organization. Um, I will say that I'm smart enough to realize that and married a wife that is very organized, which helps but uh, she told me when we got married that she was not my mother, and she was not going to take care of of all of my organization, so she helps helps me a little still with organization, but, but um, I, I've learned that I need to surround myself with organized people, so in a lot of the, for example, in Farm Bureau, or um, as our swine superintendent for the county fair, I like to do everything in committees, and there's always somebody out there that organization is what they pride themselves on, and I know to find those people and let them deal with the organization because I know I'm going to fall short on that. Um, So anytime I can find somebody that can, that can help, I think that's, that's what helps me out is, is somebody else that's, that's able, That's, that's their strong point. I'm a big believer in, you know, personality types and things that people have strengths and weaknesses. And I know that my weakness is organization for sure. And, but because I know that I try to find people that that's their, their strong point and, and, and they help in those situations uh, as much as possible. Of course, I have to, I have to have responsibility for myself at some time, So, so I try my best, but I do struggle with that.
1: What are some of the unique stressors that you see um, as a vet? So we we talk a lot with farmers, and we talk a lot with people who work in agriculture. But I think you might be the first veterinarian that we've talked to. So. What are some of the unique struggles that you face as a veterinarian who also farms? So you know the farming struggles as well, but what are some of those unique veterinarian things because there's a lot of similarities between veterinarians mm-hmm. and farmers just career-wise. So right.
2: Yeah, yeah, like you mentioned it's hard to predict where we, us as veterinarians like agriculture and dealing with animals and dealing with the weather, you know, there's only so much it's in our control and that is certainly a struggle. You know, you can do the best you can do, and you can put forth all the effort that you can do, and it still fails. You know, you still you still lose an animal. Now, I, on the large animal side, for sure, um, I commiserate with with agriculture people because I understand that yes, it's going to cost them money to to be utilizing my services, and we don't aren't always successful, and that certainly makes you feel bad. But but I have to make sure I remember that I still have to you know, I'm still providing a service, even even if we can't be successful. And, and it bothers me when we have an unsuccessful case, and I still have to send somebody a bill. But that's, you know, the reality is, is I have to pay my employees, I have to pay for my materials and time. And so I struggle with that. And certainly, you know, we do large animal work, but we do dogs and cats and horses and everything. So I mean, there's a lot of times that you have to, it's a struggle with the emotions of you know, people are going to lose their pets, and and pets are certainly family members to a lot of people, um, and that's a struggle to to see somebody hurting that's that's lost an animal. And you know, I hate it that you know you go to school for a lot of years, you train for a lot of years, you really want to be successful every time. I'd love to save everyone, but you're going to lose some, and you're even going to lose some that are unexpected, and that is a that is a stressor for sure. Um, and I'm I'm generally a people pleaser. So when you have things that go different than what the owners or the people are expecting, and I feel like I've fallen short or not pleased the people to the extent it really, that one weighs on me maybe more than anything. And then obviously the the world we live in today, if something goes different than what somebody wants, the first thing a lot of people do is get on Facebook or some other form of social media and And criticize everything that you did and you know you can do things lockstep perfect and things don't go the way people want it um you're dealing with a life and they you know they're not everything's treatable and they can bad mouth you and 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 go that really that really stresses me a lot too because i and i try to avoid ever reading any of it because it's something that will that will you certainly feel bad enough that that things didn't go the way you hoped and then when people are bad mouthing you but the thing that's really heartening about all of that, too, is that anytime something like that happens, I find that more people come on board to defend what we do than, than there are people that attack what we do. And that's that's always a tough thing when you, you want to defend yourself. You really want to stand out there and say that, and that really is not helpful to the situation. So you just have to sit back and take it. And then it makes you feel a lot better when there's other people that have that you've done things and they like it that, that will actually be on board to defend you know how things go. Because I've had cases go perfectly right and somebody just didn't like that they had to wait a long time and or they got mad because I had an emergency that pulled me away and they had to wait longer and people are attacking me and I'm trying to save somebody else's animal. And those kind of things are really frustrating about our profession for sure. Right,
0: when, when those things happen, has over the years, Have you found it easier to deal with that, or what's your system to manage that better? Because that would be very stressful.
2: I don't know that it ever gets easier. I keep thinking that it might. Um, I tend to look back on the fact that I've done everything that I can do and that we've treated everything, you know, our work is the most appropriate steps that we can take with the information we've given um would i ever say that i could second guess a thing that i've done certainly but hindsight's 2020 um you just have to do the best you can i don't know that i ever it ever gets easy to take an attack from social media you just have to learn to to not you know not let it get you down and and always always understand the thing that makes me feel the best is when when somebody else comes on and defends what we do you know that makes you feel like you've you've helped somebody and they've really taken a thing. And I find myself, you know, obviously being a veterinarian, I have a lot of social media friends that are veterinarians. I find myself defending other practices when they're getting attacked because I feel like that, you know, you can come out as a veterinarian and say, say, well, you know, the worst thing I always like to case in point, anytime you go on a marketplace or something on Facebook and somebody asks the question, what's the best veterinarian to go to? if you read the comments, it's every veterinary clinic in the area will get recommended and every veterinary clinic in the area will get bashed. And if you look down the comments, they're always going to say, well, that clinic killed my animal or that clinic killed it. And I don't know a veterinarian out there that goes in that with the goal of killing an animal.
1: Right. And
2: I oftentimes will reach out and state that about other clinics and whatever, that that was not their intention to do to do that. And But, you know, we don't always, it's not a perfect world and we don't always get the perfect outcome. But I will say that that i still struggle a lot with that with that side of things is that you do the best you can do and people still badmouth you and you just have to you just have to learn to get past it i would say past experience of being able to get past it makes it easier knowing that this too will pass is uh, is always is always a good a good way to approach it but it certainly never gets easy to deal with those kind of things
1: Yeah, dealing with the consumer public is one of the most challenging things that I think we face in 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 veterinarian uh, careers and in farming as well. You know, you're dealing with a consumer public that has absolutely no idea what they're talking about sometimes, and that's a huge. I wanted to go back and kind of touch on a little um, little topic that you you brought up a little bit, and it's something that we are going to really focus on a lot here in the future of the farm stress team, and it's going to be. talking about compassion fatigue compassion fatigue um for if you have never heard that term before for anybody that's listening it's where you care about other animals other people plants on your farm you're taking care of all the other things so much that it becomes exhausting that you care for other things to the extent and level that you do And what we see a lot too, especially in animal agriculture, is the uh, caring and killing paradox, where you care for something and you go out of your way to make sure that that animal survives, that that uh, particular individual is successful, and it still may end in either euthanization, um, death by natural causes, or production of meat. So there's a lot of things that we deal with that can really suck your energy Um, just on a psychological level of dealing with life, birth, death all in one day, multiple times over. And, you know, it's something that as a veterinarian, you see an exact extreme amount of birth, life and death on a daily basis. And you're experiencing those those empathetic feelings that your heart goes out to the people, but also to the animal that you're trying so hard to care for. Um, And that's something that can be really exhausting for people. And it's a big lead in to mental health issues, can lead into some depressive tendencies, can lead into a lot of different things that we have to really be careful of um, how we deal with those. Do you see a lot of that in in the work that you do?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I hate to say it, but my morning this morning consisted of Two farm calls and about thirty minutes in the office, and I euthanized three animals this morning. Um, believe it or not, a production ram that was had a urinary obstruction that wasn't fixable, an elderly stallion and an elderly dog that we diagnosed with cancer so and that's this morning. so that is a is a commonplace um, and as you're working through that process with an owner, you need to explain what's going to be expected with with the euthanasia, um, and you know, you first thing you do, third first thing you learn with experience is once that decision's made, you've got to be backing the owner that they've made the right decision because I guarantee you that they're second guessing their decision. And then I hate it. I've got some students that have been riding with me as it's summertime, and I always say that the next thing is is of all the things that I hate, that I'm really good at, I'm really good at euthanasia. But I may work harder to be really good at euthanasia than anything I do because it's the last thing you want to go bad. Um, it's a s- struggle on the side of you've failed, but you do still have the ability to give that animal a graceful ending, you know. And whether that's euthanasia or whether that's how hard the, the meat packers work at with with humane slaughter, I mean, all of that is very important and I think anybody that does that for a living takes that on. Uh, but it's but it's still hard. You know, the worst part is is, you know, the the owners of the the horse, for example, is one of our 4 H'ers. So, you know, to to support and to feel bad for, you know, somebody that you've had as a 4 H leader or part of the project, you know, you've worked with them and they're young, young people and certainly they've been raised well and they understand the animal world. And 4 H is such a great Way to train them, but it's still emotional. It's hard, you know, and it's you know, a good family friend lost their dog last week, you know, and you just have to, you have to be there for them. I think the hardest part for us as veterinarians is you have to go through that, and five seconds later you've got to flip your switch on and be excited about somebody's new puppy in the next room, and it's it's a it it can certainly weigh on you. Um, certainly a pendulum,
1: right? You go from one extreme to the other
2: yeah and it's and it's certainly it's certainly a challenge and one thing that i think is a good thing that we as at our clinic and a lot of clinics are seeing this now is we work hard when we're here but we don't work 60 and 70 hours anymore we've we've worked really hard on the work-life balance of we need more doctors and so we can have more time away to recharge at whatever it is and and it's funny because my recharge is to go out and work on the farm. Um, so we talk about farm stress, and 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 I will say I have the farm stress as well. I mean, last week I was a maybe the best hay baling week I've ever had in the years I've been doing hay. And of course, break the PTO shaft off the back of my tractor about halfway through, and now we're sitting here dealing with an expensive equipment failure. <laughs> in the thing that I do to relax and get away from my day-to-day job. so
1: You're almost it, a glutton for punishment.
2: <laughs> I think I am. I think I am. I think um, I really do. Um, but, you know, the, the good thing that comes out of that and the thing that I take strength off of is I have a lot of friends that are farmers. And when you can talk to them, and as soon as I say what broke down, first off, two things. I can always find somebody that will come and help me. So if I'm broken down and it's got to be done, somebody else will bring a piece of equipment or somebody will help me, you know, fix the equipment and and do that. And I think relying on those other, on your neighbors and your friends that that know what you're going through and understand the situation. And I would say, you know, farming, the worst part about that is it all happens at the same time. You know, everybody was cutting hay last week. So anybody that had hay equipment, it was probably tied up doing hay work, you know, and, and same with you know row crop farmers in the in planting and harvest season and things like that but i still think it helps you mentally when you have other people even if they can't help you fix your problem at least they said you know they've been there before and they understand that you know things happen and i think that does help and i think it it helps in the veterinary profession as well that you know i'm lucky enough to have my dad who's been doing it for 50 years my wife who although it's not practicing currently is a veterinarian. She's been through all of the, the those situations as well. We've got two associate doctors here um, and it gives you an opportunity to, to just bounce off of things. And I think we all take care of each other. I mean, if you, if you realize that one of the doctors is there and she's, she's had to go through however many emotional situations in a day, well you step in and you take the next case that you know is going to be emotionally charged. So you're not adding that to them if it's a, if it at all possible, and I think that really helps that that communication amongst each other just to take some of that stress. And just talking about it makes it makes a big improvement. And it and it is especially in the veterinary world, it is something that you have to learn to to I don't want to say separate yourself. I don't think you ever want to get cold about what you're doing or get to where it doesn't bother you. But but you have to learn to to say that even in the loss of an animal, you've done everything that you can do. Or that you've done an excellent job with the, with the, use, the euthanasia process, and that you've you've done all you can do to make the animal suffer the least and um, have the the best outcome, even if the best outcome is ultimately to pass away. But we need to do our best for it. And I think stepping back and realizing that you've done all you can do towards that is, is sends you a long way towards being able to 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 handle it. And and there are people you know that can handle it better than others. I mean, that's just the reality of how all of our personalities are. And of course, I' still hit that stereotypical big, tough guy <laughs> you know that you think about. And so it's harder because you push down most of your emotions a lot of times and and don't express that that how much it's bothering you because you gotta you gotta kind of stay strong for those around you so that that can be a challenge for sure.
0: Right. Well, and something else I wanted to touch on real quick, because I know you are married to a veterinarian. You you said your dad was a veterinarian and Aunt farmer and, and everything else. It sounds like you're following in his footsteps in a way and working together. Was there pressure as you were figuring out what you wanted to do um, in life to, to carry on the family business, if you will? Or did you just really love it so much that you're like, that's that's exactly what I want to do?
2: honestly i fought being a veterinarian (laughs) that yeah that's so that's kind of the funny thing about it i guess try to make my long story short um i went to i went to un i did not really think i wanted to do it until i I be a veterinarian until i got later in my years and i really got into showing livestock um in 4-h and really started to realize how much i enjoyed the livestock side of things um i didn't like school I forgot it. it's been eight years of college. I'm not a I was I'm gonna say a it, that's fan. a lot of
0: school. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. I'm not a big fan of school. Um, I got into bogged down into my junior year, I guess, of undergrad and decided, you know what, I'm not going to vet school. And so I decided to not go to vet school. I dropped out of the last physics class that I was short of completing my requirements to even be eligible for vet school. I finished my degree in animal science and got out and went to work. Um, And was okay with that decision, believe it or not. Um, But life happens. Sometimes uh, a lot of people around me that know me better than I know myself would uh, say that they all knew I needed to go to vet school more than I did. And I was actually working in my career and had a head on car crash and survived it with basically no injuries, but said, hey, I should have died and let's re-look at kind of what my life is going and where I'm heading. And the reality is I was essentially, I worked for in live poultry production and I was essentially being a veterinarian for the company. So I wasn't doing veterinary work, but I was legally diagnosing and doing treatments because the company that I worked for owned the animals. and I, you know, probably knew I needed to be a veterinarian all my life, but resisted that temptation. And at the time when I was reevaluating my life, it's kind of funny because I said, what I, what do I want to do for my life? And what I've always wanted to do and wanted to do was farm. And if the reality of agriculture is that's a really hard thing to do if you don't have a farm to, to go back to, if you don't have something to inherit a way to get started. Um, And as I was thinking about that, I'm like, well, what do I have to go back to and have a family that owns a vet practice? Um, So certainly, certainly I've defended myself a lot since I've got through vet school, because, of course, you get the people that say the only reason you got into vet school is because your dad got you in and you get to you get to take that. But that's not on your own merit. And then I still have people every day think, oh, well, it must be nice that somebody gave you a vet practice um but my dad had a partner and when i got out of school i just like anybody that wouldn't have been related bought my dad's partner out and bought into the practice and then when dad retired my wife and i bought his half of the practice out too so there was not certainly there was a lot of help by having that formation of the practice that was here and the family business and certainly you know it wasn't a it wasn't a struggle to get hired. Although, if you know anything about the veterinary world right now, it's not a struggle to get hired either. If you want to work, you can get a job. But uh, but certainly it was certainly that was kind of the thought process that sent me back into veterinary medicine. So I probably always knew I wanted to be a veterinarian. I did not know or think that I could was smart enough to get through the the um, education that's that's required for it. Um, I was always the dumb younger brother. My older sister's a veterinarian as well and uh, and had already been through all of that. And I just didn't think that was what I wanted to do. Uh, but I will say that, you know, divine intervention, god, God's god got a plan and that's what it took. And there's some good things that came up. it. had I gone into vet school like I originally planned, I would have been out of Purdue one year before my wife came to Purdue and we would have never met. So, I mean, there's reasons for things that, that happen and it's the the right, right path, but sometimes it takes... God hit your head with a, in the head with a two before or in my case a box truck but, uh, <laughs> to, to send you in down the path that you need to be and certainly I've never regretted it a bit i mean i really enjoy what I do i mean even with the stress and the bad days certainly overall it's 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 what I'm meant to do and it's a lot and it allows me to farm and it allows me to be active in my community and to, to do those kind of things as well because of a successful business and a successful career so
1: yeah and it allows me to
2: give back I should say that too because it's one of the one of my favorite things about growing our business and being more successful is you know I can now sponsor 4-H more I can now sponsor our county fair more I you know I send do I, I love to be I hate to say that I love to be able to give away money I mean I like sponsor I mean obviously you've got to be responsible my wife tells me to stop what I've donated too much but But certainly that's one of those benefits and it makes us makes me feel better that we could do something for the community, too. So,
1: yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, one of the things that we we hear a lot um, from the farming community, just the rural community in general, is how stressful it is to work with family members. And you've experienced that both on the farm and in the vet practice and, um, you know, living at home with your family, working with your family. How. How has that kind of evolved in your life or what kind of stresses have you felt in that regard? And how, how would you tell others to or maybe give tips to, of how to work with family? What's worked and what hasn't, I guess.
2: Right. Um, you know what? I, dad and I have a really good working relationship um, and we always have. Uh, it's it's like we talked about with the, how I ended up there. There was no pressure to go to vet school. My dad never did. Now, when I, when I applied to vet school, and uh, and got accepted or when i told dad that i was applying he told me it was about time that i figured out that's what i needed to do because he and my mother both knew it and other family members as well but there wasn't ever that pressure to do that and you know i was never obligated to come back to work here when i got out um i have an older sister that's a veterinarian and did not come back to work here and you know so there's there's that that pressure was never there to do that but I don't regret it one bit. I had a ton of people tell me in school, uh, at vet school, that I should go out and work elsewhere, and then come back to work at home if I wanted to, and that I should go away. And I, I didn't. I don't know that it whether it would have changed things or not. One of my my goals was to be able to to work and to farm, and that you know I, we started a farming operation while I was in college. It was here that's what i wanted to do outside of work was to come here and work and could i say that i've been doing this with my dad for 18 years and we've never argued no <laughs> i can't say that does my fuse get short when my tractor's break it down and it's 95 degrees outside and and <laughs> you know things people aren't reading my mind to do things the way i want absolutely i have that problem right. But, but dad and I are pretty good about talking things through. And, and believe it or not, we're almost always on the same page. Um, and if we're not, we'll talk it through and, and one of us will decide which way we're going to go. And you kind of accept that and move on. We've had it have had a really good working relationship. Um, now, working with my wife as my partner, she's not always been in the practice directly. Um, but, when my dad retired and we decided to buy the whole practice it was either let management slip or let doctor care slip and we decided that we needed somebody that you could trust to manage and so my wife I say my wife and I work together uh, I'm sitting in her office upstairs in our clinic right now normally she's in here but uh, she works up here in the office and takes care of the, the money and the and that marketing, the social media, and that kind of thing. And I work downstairs and take care of the patients. And so, and then we, on top of that, hired a practice manager. (laughs) So I say, we're married and I'm an extreme giver and let people, whatever people do to make happy, I'm a people pleaser. Whatever people want to make them happy, I'm gonna say yes. (laughs) She's probably the complete opposite on that. And she's gonna put the brakes on really hard and say no. And we hired a practice manager that's somewhere in the middle and that really right. helps a lot because she kind of she kind of buffers us both on our extremes and brings it back to the middle and i think that's you know that working with family thing of course now this summer my my nine-year-old son just finished third grade is uh this is the first summer he's not going to any kind of daycare program over the summer he's actually Working in our clinic, in our boarding and grooming area, and then in, in the mornings, and then working with me on the farm in the afternoons. So, this is. I was going to ask
1: how you uh I,
2: summer break,
1: but yeah, yeah. So, does Joseph want to be a vet?
2: He he wants to be a vet or a professional football player. So one oh, of those. Okay. Things, you know, and it's I a tough him, choice. Yeah, I told him either one was good for my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he did. You know. Yeah, and. And I'm looking forward to it because I think anybody that's been on a farm realizes that that spending time with your dad and getting out there and seeing what they do is valuable. Um, is it probably going to frustrate me before the summer's over that I could do things a whole lot faster if it was just me doing them? Yes. But Absolutely. but is it worth it to to show him you know, what we do and what's going on in agriculture and what goes on in our veterinary profession? even at the age of nine, you know, going into fourth grade, I think it's something that's going to be life-changing for him. Even if that says, Oh my gosh, I want to run as far away from this as I can. I want him to know that I don't want you to ever want somebody to come back and not know what they're getting into. So I think it's exciting. (laughs) Might add to my stress level. We'll see, (laughs) but uh, but for sure, for sure, uh, a change, but I've enjoyed working with family. I think it's very, very good thing, but you have to also know how to keep your distance. I mean, Obviously, my mom, I wanted to move home and live with my parents when I first got out of vet school until I found a more permanent living arrangement. And uh, before I ever moved home, my mom found an apartment for me. So she says, yeah, you're out on your own. You're not moving back in. Anyway. That's what was good for me because I would have moved back in. And and who knows how long I would have worked till I could find um, a house to move into. So, you know, sometimes parents have to push you a little bit. So, yep. yes,
0: yeah. well, parents are good for that. And that's yeah. good that, you know, you, you have that. And I think it's so neat that you're able to share what you do and in, in your passion with your son as well and continuing on that tradition, which is, it's so neat. I think we all, a lot of us on the farm stress team in general, we, when we talk about our whys, our experiences to do what we're doing, a lot of that stems from our families, from our childhoods, and it, it's memories that you, you'll Just it's so neat and it it is life changing, like you said. And I just kind of tying things in. We've talked a lot about different stressors. Obviously, in your line of work, there's a lot of stress that comes with it. I I wouldn't. I mean, hearing you talk about some of those comments that come through that that has to weigh heavy, and the things that you do in your day, that's got to weigh heavy on you. But again, we we want to talk about some things that we're really hopeful for, and. For you and what you see in your line of work, what are you hopeful for in the future? Um, whether it's on your farm or just in the veterinary profession in general? What what are your your hopes and dreams, I guess?
2: Yeah. You know, I think it's I think it's exciting where where we're going. Um as as with farming veter or the veterinary profession has topped out the list. Of suicide rates, but we are aware of that, and there's a lot of things in our profession being done, which is probably where a lot of the farmers are frustrated with veterinarians and and saying, "Hey, we can't find large animal vets, and we can't find you know somebody to take care of." There's a shortage of vets, and some of that is because we've realized we've got to take care of ourselves to an extent. Um, I will say that I'm not the best at it, but I'm really good at at making sure that. The doctors that work with me are, you know, our regular scheduled hours are about 35 hours a week. Um, you know, the the old model was work till you work till the work was done and the work won't ever be done. And so that's something that our profession's really focusing on is that you just have to be able to 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 stop and and get away and hopefully over time eventually we'll be able to have more doctors to be providing more coverage. And I think that's a challenge. Um, It's one of the things that frustrates me about our profession though, is that we've taken care of ourselves to an extent that if you call your veterinarian, you may have trouble getting in. Um, We live down here in Southwest Indiana where we don't have emergency clinics close. And so if you don't have an appointment, you know your veterinarians, and, and we set ourselves up that way to have our front staff protect us, but your veterinarians are oftentimes not gonna be able to see if you don't have an appointment. Now, I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm a complete walk-in clinic. If you get here during the sign- in hours, we're going to take care of you. That's our model, but it's but it's one of those things that it's a so it's a blessing and a curse because we've started to realize that we need to take care of ourselves, but there's not enough of us to take care of ourselves and sometimes that's a struggle to say it's a struggle for me to say, no, I can't come take care of your dog because I need to go to my son's basketball game or that but sometimes you have to do that, you know and that's the the, the people in general are not going to understand that as well, but to keep us sane and going, I think it's something that we sometimes have to do is tomorrow I'm going to be in Indianapolis at the Farm Bureau office developing policy for Indiana Farm Bureau. So, you know, it's I'm not going to be here working in the clinic tomorrow. And that's one of those things that is going to leave things short, staffed and, and harder to do. But I think that. As a whole, we're paying attention to more, that more. And I think that agriculture as a whole is paying attention to that more as well. I mean, you know, 50 years ago, every farmer had livestock and row crops and this and that. So there's never a time to, to slow down. And And now I think with I think you've got more specialized farming going on, which certainly doesn't make it less busy necessarily, but oftentimes in any Area, it produces slow times, you know, if if you were a grain and livestock and row crop farm, well, there's no slow times, you know, you've got the animals to take care of, you got the harvest, you got, you know, I always laugh uh, with Farm Bureau, it frustrates me sometimes that they say, well, we can't do anything during planting and harvest but it's okay to do stuff all summer. And I'm like, but some of us bale hay, which actually happens in between planting and harvest. And so when they want to let things open back up actually happens to be my busy time on the farms because of what I do. And that's, and realizing that, that's where I think some of that specializing in agriculture has helped with the farm stresses. It's given, you know, you kind of focus on corn and, corn and beans and, you know, that's got some busy times of year. And it's certainly always weighing on your mind but but it does allow you to have some time where it's it doesn't have to happen right now you know right. and i think that's i think that in both the veterinary profession and the agriculture profession is we're getting better we're not there yet but we're getting better at realizing that we do have to to rest and take care of ourselves and find time to, to do things uh, joseph and i are antique tractor collectors so I'm trying to make a concerted effort this year that Joseph's really excited that we're going to go spend a lot more weekends at tractor shows. I mean, is there work that needs to get done? Yeah, but is it the end of the world if we don't get it done this weekend? Hopefully not. So, you know, it's one of those things that, and and it is hard on me when there's a lot of work to be done and I want to get it done when I have time and everything cooperates, but, but I really value being able to spend time with my son and doing a hobby that the both of us enjoy at this time and being able to to get out there and do that and and so that's kind of the way I focus on things and
1: yeah don't absolutely.
2: know if it works for everybody but it's working for me I think <laughs>
1: yeah and that's it's such an important thing to be able to to take that time and, and experience that with him while you have the chance and when he's at that age where he's excited about it I think that's so cool um where you have have that opportunity to build that relationship with him And we want to thank you so much for being our guest today. But before we go, I want to highlight a veterinarian-focused organization for mental health called Not One More Vet. Um, This is an organization that focuses on mental health awareness and research for veterinarians um, and provides a lot of support to veterinarians in that realm. You can find information about them at www.nomv.org. That's Not One More Vet. So that's nomv.org. And thank you so much, John, and thank you
0: all for listening to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast. If you would like more information about the Purdue Extension Farm Stress team, go to extension.purdue.edu slash farmstress, or you can find us on Facebook at Purdue Extension Farm Stress
1: team. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest, or if you have topics you'd like to suggest for the Tools for Today's Farmer podcast, leave us a message on the Farm Stress Facebook page. We use the hashtag FarmStrong on our posts to emphasize that the agriculture community is resilient and is strong enough to overcome anything that comes their way. Share your story of overcoming stress on social media using the hashtag FarmStrong. We're your hosts, Rachel Dilhop and Abby Heidenright. Have a great day.